What a blessing. I want to just say thank you for the worship team. They lead us into the presence of God. And um, I don't want them to take that for granted. I appreciate Tina. Thank you for leading and uh, all those that are with her in the assembly of the saints. We are truly blessed to be in the presence of God. I felt like the Lord was speaking some things to me um, while we were worshiping. How many of you know that that's part of worship is you're in the presence of God and God is speaking something personal and, and just for you. And sometimes more than just for you, but he's speaking it to you. That's a part of our worship time. I felt like I had that. Um, you know, honestly, there's a lot of times I'm like just sing that song again, right? Because we could go endlessly when we're really being touched by the Lord. Uh, I want to preach to you on this um, called Resentment Under Opposition. Resentment under opposition. When we talk about the story of Jonah, it is bigger than resentment. But I want us to get a picture that resentment feeds into what was going on in Jonah's life. And I can't help but feel like there's so much into this, and this fits us. This fits us. I, if I could speak to somebody this morning, I would say, if you're the person who's been hurt terribly in life, you're the one who's left the damages and the struggles and the difficulties you faced has felt like a reason to hate somebody, a reason to resent somebody. I'm not, I don't want to pass over that. I think really the Word of God fits us for where life takes us. There's a, and if not in this room, there is a number of people, their experience in life has given them the feeling that not God, but people are to be hated. I remember somebody once said to me, they said, I love animals way more than I do people. <laughs> and I think I understand where that came from. But I'll tell you what, when we understand the other side of what God can do in a person's life, we learn to love people far more than we do anything else. I want you to turn to your Bibles to chapter 1 in, in, in Jonah chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 3 to begin with here. I know I have it up there um, should be up there as well, but praise the Lord. We want to make sure you get the Word of God. Make sure that you're seeing it for what it says. I, I'll add ex exposition, but I want to make sure that you get the Word of God, what it says in there. Because I want you to hear something. There's going to be things that I'm not saying during this service that the Holy Spirit is. And He wants you to catch what He's saying. So just have your ears open to the Lord while I'm preaching. I've had some sidetracks to what the preacher was saying because the Lord took me somewhere else. Feel free to take time with the Lord in that and write notes to what the Lord's given you. Let's look at these verses. Now, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish, from the presence of the Lord, he went down to Joppa or Joppa, and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. I want you to catch that part. From the presence of the Lord. He's trying to escape God. He's trying to get away from God. And I realized when I read that, I was like, it's not just running from the call of God because you've got to get away from God to get away from the call of God. Really, 
the whole thing is, is the, mo- the moment you step back into the presence of God, you readdress whatever God was calling you to do. Whatever He's telling you to do, you can't get out from under when you're in the presence of the Lord. So the power of God's presence reintroduces to us without words. It's just the fact that God showed up. We know what He's telling us. We already have a sense what the Holy Spirit is saying. So I think whenever we find ourselves running from the Lord, whatever that might be, whatever your struggle is, you're really running from the presence of God. You're not just running from a task or something God told you to do. You're running from God until you get back to whatever it is God wants you to do. Strangely, Jonah knew, and I love this, that there was mercy in the message. And in his hatred for the Assyrian people, so Nineveh was the Assyrian group of people, if you want to call it that. And he could no longer walk with the Lord. There was this feeling of hatred that possessed him. And it doesn't tell us why. I mean, there's been some historians and views of it, but the Bible doesn't tell us exactly why. You could look into that part of it, but there's some thoughts that went out. But I, I would say this, whatever it was, it was strong enough that he did not want to see the redemption of these people. He didn't have even the slightest desire that they should be redeemed and forgiven, that they should come to repentance. Now, I've never really thought too much about that. I've never thought of, at least I don't think so, I never thought of myself as having a hatred for somebody or any group of people so bad that if they would give up their evil and what they were doing or what they, what kind of evil that they practice and surrender to God, that I wouldn't be willing to reconcile with that. But this is, a, this is hatred on a higher level. And I think some of us have been touched with, and I want to, I want to really speak to somebody's heart right now. Some of us have been touched with, maybe you're being touched with right this very minute, you're being touched with something very dark and horrific in life from another person. Some have gone through abuses that we cannot even begin to describe. The kinds of horrific feelings that you wouldn't even begin to tell people that are close to you some of the things that you have gone through or some of the struggles that you've faced. But what you want to be careful for, and I want to say this very carefully, you want to be careful that what you're left with is not... you, You want to from out of that struggle that you've gone through, you don't want to be left with hatred. Because that's darker than the abuses that we faced. Or that's just as dark as the one we've gone through. And so Jonah knew that in order to preach, that there's a, he was to cry out against the city. He was not to tell them that they were going to be favored. He was to tell them that they were going to come under judgment. And if they didn't repent, that day of darkness was coming. And some of us would thrive under the idea of saying that to our chiefest enemy. And yet, he wouldn't even thrive under it because he knew something. He knew, if I preach the conviction of God in your life, and you take a hold of it for what it is, and you understand that God never just tells you a condemning message, that His heart behind it is to restore you. And that's so powerful to think about. There is mercy in the message. The hardest message you will ever hear preached. The the most severe judgment ever written within the context of the Bible or even poured out on a nation of people. Yet there was mercy that God intended. And I think if we understood, because I think a lot of people have the idea of the way God is, is that God 
is not kind. Some people have said they grew up thinking of God as just one who is ready to beat them down from missing the mark. And this image of God is that there's this superior authority that's there just to bring judgment whenever I fail. And I believe there's a holiness to God we cannot escape. But the power of that holiness reminds us of the love of God every single time. Reminds us that God deeply loves us and His holiness is calling us back to Himself. Not away from Him, but back to Him. The presence of God always calls you back to the will of God. I remember a story when I was, when I was a little boy. I, I was debating whether I wanted, to talk, I wanted to share with you, but I think you'll find humor in it too. My grandma told me the story because I don't remember it. I was young enough, I don't remember having ever done this. And I thought, there's no way James would have ever done this. But she says, when I was little, um, I was complaining or murmuring about something in the back seat of the car. And she says, uh, and so I kept saying something. And she said, oh, Poe baby. That's what she used to say to me when I was little. <laughs> and so... She would, I would still be bugging about it. She said, oh, Poe baby. And she'd said it a few times. I don't know how many. And then finally, a little bit after a while, I was quiet for a few minutes. And then I, I, stepped, I, I stepped back into it and I said, Grandma, I Poe baby you in a minute. <laughs> she had hit a nerve, evidently. But I knew something. I knew that when I came back in the presence of my mom and my dad, that I would be called back into what it means to respect my grandmother, to give her the honor that she deserved and she ought to have. And I think when you look at the story of Jonah, you will see that the reason why he's running from the presence of God is because he knows that when he steps back into the presence of God, this is going to be readdressed. He's going, he can't get away from this call of Nineveh. Now I want you to imagine this city. There's so many people there. The God's heart for a city of people, a huge city of people, was I don't want them to perish. God is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. We say, why is the world, why doesn't God wind up the problem in the world? And He's doing something else. He's providing mercy for an environment of great wickedness. And here he is calling Jonah to speak to them because the only hope they have, the only hope that so many people, so many perishing souls are going to have is that Jonah's faithful to deliver the word that God has. God knows that there's conviction in the message. God knows that when he speaks, when Jonah speaks, that they're going to, their hearts are going to be softened. They're going to be broken by the message and their tenderness toward God is going to be restored. God knows why He's sending Jonah there. And Jonah knows to some degree why that's happening too. So this is being readdressed. But the idea of it will be when He comes back into the presence of God. And I think it's amazing that God allows him to even get just a little bit of a distance away. This is such an amazing story when it unfolds. The want for another person's destruction or ruin is so contemptible to God that it will ultimately be the cause of your own. I want you to hear in, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 15. And it says this, But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. You would think the moment that I start endorsing something like this in my heart, that God says, that's it. 
You just started endorsing unforgiveness inside of you. But that's not what he did with Jonah. He didn't say, oh, you started endorsing. Now, there's, there's a thing. There's a warning for when we begin to hold on to bitterness. There's a warning that's strict and severe. But there's mercy that's meant behind the warning. And Jonah's getting, there's two things that are happening. One is God is restoring Jonah. God is doing something inside of him. But he's also preparing a huge, vast number of people to receive the salvation message. He's doing two things at once. Only a sovereign God can restore me and also feed an innumerable number of people by changing my life. One life. You've got to understand, a host of people were being represented by one life. God had to get Noah there because of God's great love for so many souls and God's great love for Jonah. Not Noah, but Jonah. But to Noah as well. There must have been a reason for that mistake. You get it. It's all yours. So when you are no longer, so some of the signs that we begin to fall into this captivity, it says when, and this is just my thinking on it, when you are no longer guarded in speaking bad of others. There's something there. There's a reason why you're no longer guarded. When your Christian life is filled with cynicism and criticism, when we see all the marks and problems in the church or my brothers and sisters, you can guarantee there's probably something of bitterness that's just resonating within your heart. Here's another one. When, you know, when no matter how much you pray, you can't find peace with God. God isn't one to run away from you and keep you from the peace that brings deliverance into your life unless there's a block in the way. And this is one of them. It says in Psalm 66, verse 18, But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea. I'm sorry. If I regard inequity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. If I regard on it, the Lord will not hear Basically, if I could instruct myself through it, I would say this. James, if you're having difficulty finding breakthrough with God, God absolutely has an open arena for, for to hear you. But what he's trying to show you is, is that the inequity or the sin that you hold on to, the unforgiveness or bitterness that you allow in that moment is not meant for his presence. You're going to have to let go of that. But God has nothing but open arms for you when you do. In other words, there's no reason for you not to. There's no reason for you to consider that it would be better or that you would be more happy or more fulfilled in any other way than to let go of this and have let God in in the space of your heart. Let's go to verse 4 in Jonah chapter 1. I love this. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea. And there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship was about to be broken up. I think sometimes when I, when I think of Jonah here in this moment, I think of two things. One is, is that I think whatever he's facing, however he's feeling toward the Assyrian people, for him it's a very good reason. I hate them. I don't want them to have a hope. But I don't want to also struggle myself in being lost in that. And so there's this, this thought of, why would I let go of God in my hatred for another person? Why would I get so deep 
in feeling such a hatred for somebody that I would let go dearly of what God has for me. Because what they've done to me has been so severe and it hurts so bad that I can't put it in human language. It's in other words, I would say that for some of us, the hurt, the pain that you feel, it's so painful that you don't know how to let go of it on your own. You don't know how to give it over. All you know is left to yourself that it is so painful. How can I? And you, there is no answer for that other than, is there grace from heaven? Is there a touch of the love of God that can heal the pain so deep? See, because it's not usually a hatred because I hate somebody. It's a hatred because it's been a pain that's so deep that I don't know how to let go of it. And here we have a portion of God's Word. that This isn't just God saying to Jonah, you're missing the mark, and this is about making life difficult for you when you turn around. But what we're actually beginning to realize is that there is such a very real, a very real struggle going on. So real that there's almost no words to express what's going on in the human heart. And so I can know, I can say that there has been times in my life I have had severe pain, severe difficulty. And sometimes when you're in severe pain emotionally, you do not know what to do with that. Even though we have the Word of God spoken to us, and this is why we need to turn the Word of God from what we know into the Word of God of what we believe. Because in order to believe it, you have to hold on to it like it's a lifeline in your soul. It has to become the very soul core of what you believe and hope in, or it will not satisfy your point of need. Knowing it in head does not satisfy such an extreme difficulty in life. And so when I think of Noah's life, I see a man who's literally struck by the insufficiency of his infirmity of human weakness. And struggling with a world of such darkness. And yet God in His mercy is trying to reach out to him because this is the thing. God is not there merely to bring Jonah comfort and feeling of solace and tranquility. God is there to change his heart. Change him from the inside out and then bring peace in the middle of that change. So what God is about to do is the most loving, compassionate, merciful thing that He can do without forcing Jonah's will into compliance and bringing him mercifully and sovereignly into his heart. And so we read this verse in that light. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship was about to be broken up. Jonah, no matter what you want right now, I am not going to make your life peaceful. No matter what's going on, out of mercy God is doing this. Because of Jonah's persistent disobedience, God is acting adversely out of His mercy. We so need to see this. The adversity that God begins to act on our life and the difficulty and the pain and the struggle that when we're dealing with the bitterness of our heart and unforgiveness inside of our souls and the struggle, just life gets more difficult and we feel like God is not a friend and He's an enemy to us. And here He's doing all of this adversely out of His mercy. 
And if you could understand, if we could understand the mercy of God that's built in this plan and this work of the Lord, we would never ask God to change what He's doing. We would never change it. Lord, I, I know that when, my, when I get to this place and there's rebellion born inside of me, and it's a hurtful rebellion, and it's a broken rebellion, but nevertheless, rebellion indeed. And God, thank you that your mercy isn't just to make life cozy, but you are doing something in my life that's going to change the course and the nature of who I am because of the power of the Spirit of God inside of me. And it amazes me because it's not just the Spirit of God that comes down and gives me a new heart. It's the Holy Ghost changing the circumstances around me, softening my heart, breaking me down, and then coming down to redeem me. And what do I get to see in this? The only way that I made it through is because God was faithful. Because I didn't, there was nothing in me that even began to try to do it God's way. My way of trying is a great way of failing. I'm just going to Tarshish. That's where I'm going. Man, I think this is good. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 7. Whoever thought that in just two verses you could preach for over an hour? And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens. Isn't that remarkably beautiful? It just puts it in a whole different light. I never liked to be spanked by my dad. Or my mom, but especially my dad. He just had power behind that arm. I never wanted the spanking. I always despised and frustrated with the idea of spanking. But if only I could have seen the tenderness in his heart. The son, I don't want you to be destroyed. Daddy's saying to his son, son, you don't understand behind the spanking is the dearness of my heart. A broken father over a son that knows that you'll destroy yourself if I just leave you to yourself. There's not one bit of this that I'm doing because I'm getting any pleasure out of it. But I have a deep love for my son. Oh, if I could have seen that. I remember a father once told me it was such, I've never heard it before in my life, but he was getting ready to uh, discipline his son. And I remember him saying, if I, if I remember the story correctly, he said this. He said the son looked at him and said, I think he said to his son, do you think, should I give you a spanking or are you, are you going to change your way pretty much? And he said, Dad, give me a spanking. Give it to me. And he said, right then and there I knew that his heart was where it needed to be because he was ready for the chastening, because he understood the importance of it. And I think some people are missing the heart of God behind the chastening of the Lord and the love of God. And if they understood that this is not for my hurt, but this is for my soul, they would, they would welcome it. Lord, I know this is hard, but I will welcome your chastening because I know your loving heart. Now, if I can clear the windshield here and get the wipers clean, I can try this one more time. And he scourges every son. That word scourge. Like, oh, my. Every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. 
I think the one thing that will keep us from looking at chastening as abuse is that we see it as God's great love for us. The Lord sent out a great wind. I just wanted you to catch that, that, he, that the Lord sent the great wind. The devil didn't send the wind. The Lord sent the wind. God providentially and physically alters the circumstances in your life out of his love to break you of holding on to resentment. No, you have to understand the circumstance itself doesn't change your heart. But knowing that God is in the circumstance and being tender toward God in the middle of what He's doing does change your heart because you're looking at Him, not what He's doing. Preaching the gospel with resentment. This is the thing. Jonah couldn't have this in his life. And I started thinking, you know, it's interesting because they threw him over the ship and the, and the, the storm ceased. And we would have thought, well, now Jonah's back on track again, right? But no, that was just one part of it. There was more to the rest of this whole thing. And amazing that God's not done until Nineveh gets preached to him. See, Jonah might have peace back in his heart. Jonah might feel restored in the presence of the Lord, but he knows he still has to get back to Nineveh. The preaching of the gospel with resentment or bitterness or unforgiveness is like putting sugar in your gas tank and water in your oil. It won't take long before it will run every it will ruin everything you set out to do. It will ruin everything you set out to do. Some of your problems in life will last only as long as it takes for you to get over your resentments. I want you to look here at verse 5, and it says this, Then the mariners were afraid, and every man cried out to his God and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship, had lain down, and was fast asleep. Here's a great storm. Here is God rocking the boat. And this is the thing that caught my attention. He is not in the least bit worried by it. It has not cap captivated his mind. In other words, he's oblivious to the fact that God is trying to waken him up. Yet everybody else other than Jonah is awake to it. And they, I, I see two things in that. Jonah was so intoxicated by his bitterness that he became utterly and completely oblivious to the trials that he brought on those he was sailing with. Bitterness will do something to you. It will make you rotten from the inside out. And what it was doing was, it was hurting others more than it was him, at least in this moment. And I think that sometimes sin can get inside of us. A sin inside of our hearts that we get to the place that we don't feel the pain of what's going on deep inside. There's a, there's a deep struggle, but we don't even feel the struggle. That's when you know you're in spiritual darkness. That's how you know that you know. When I can sin and I don't feel the weight of it. When I, when I can do something, I can hold on to bitterness, and I can go on to church, yep. and it doesn't change anything. When I can feel like I'm in a good relationship with God and all is well, and yet I can hold on grievously to iniquity inside my heart. 
You're asleep and you're in tremendous darkness and you need to wake up. And God is the one who knows how to change things in your life to get you, get you there. The longer we persist in bitterness, the more likely others will be endangered by it. So aren't, here's one thing. It does something for us. It does something for me to hate another person. It makes me feel like by hating you, at least you will never get the satisfaction of making feeling like that I caved into you. That I caved in. Because isn't it my enemy? My enemy finally got satisfaction that I caved in, that no matter what he did to me, that he would never suffer for what he or she did to me. You're never going to suffer. So by hating you, you can at least feel like you're suffering from my hatred. So I think. But bitterness restores, destroys you, not them. But that's what we're doing. We're holding on to it because, as somebody said, unforgiveness is like drinking poison, hope, drinking poison hoping that somebody else will die. I wrote in here that bitterness is like secondhand smoke. It poisons the atmosphere and indirectly imposes your biases on others. So in a way, it feels like it's healing us. But in the reality is it's killing us. It feels like it's doing something. I'm not sure what, but it's making me feel good and bad at the same time. There is no evil like that when... People are perishing because of the carelessness of Christians. We see that Jonah was becoming careless about what he was doing. And that's the normal, that's the toxicity of humanity. That's us. When you take Jesus out of the picture, when you take the Holy Spirit out, that's what we gravitate to. We gravitate to the worst kinds of evil and then feel fine about doing it. There's nothing, there's, no, there's nothing inside of us that's looking for to be morally pure or longing to it until God starts to begin to tear away at the evil inside of us. In Romans chapter 2, verses 20 through to 22 through 24, it says this. Caleb, you're doing fantastic. I love what you're doing. You who say, do not commit adultery, do not... Uh, you who say, do not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who make your boast in the law, do you dishonor God through breaking the law? For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you, as it is written. So because of our carelessness, other people are perishing. Because of us not taking God seriously... It's not that we're not reading the Word of God sometimes. It's not that we're not like attending the worship sessions. It's that we're not, we're becoming numb to what's going on inside our own hearts. And because of that numbness, it's become careless. And it's the reason why so many are not making it into the kingdom of God. When Christians live vitally and purely for Jesus, when we do what God's really wanted us to do, it it's, it's a heart thing, and it manifests itself within our life. And so whenever we're around people, they don't just sense what you're saying, and they don't just feel like you're being a good person. They feel the genuineness come out of your spirit. And we touch people spirit to spirit, whether they, they realize that in the moment or not. I think it's our spirit ministering to their spirit. 
and God's Spirit to both of us. Bitterness, resentment, and unforgiveness are awful sins. I want you to hear this. Because they numb your conscience of the severity of their wickedness and generally go on undetected because they feed the victim inside of you. The reason why we cancel it out as being ungodly or wicked by holding on to it is because we feel victimized and the victimization gives us or it makes it okay or justifies it. So I want to read this one more time. Bitterness, resentment, and unforgiveness are awful sins because they numb your conscience to the severity of their wickedness and generally go on undetected because they feed the victim inside of you. This is never going to be a message that says, when you've gone through something severe or harsh or difficult, that we are not deeply compassionate and care for you. That our hearts go out to what you've gone through. That we're not broken for the abused and the hurt. But we're concerned that something else is going to get down and you're going to hurt you more than whatever it is that you've been through. So we're going to preach this carefully because we know that we're touching two, we're like in between two veins and we don't want to cut either one of them. We want to keep you from being touched by the evil of what bitterness can do and we want to keep you safe from the harm of what the injustice of what other people can do to you as well. We want to love you thoroughly. We want you to know that you have the compassion and love of our hearts of what you've gone through. And at the same time, we want you to hear from us about the importance of not being embittered and keeping you pure on both ends of it. I want you to do the same thing for me. I want you to watch over me as a pastor. Please do. I don't know why the Lord's leaving me like this, but I'm just going to go there. I want you to watch over me because you've got to know there are going to be things, if I've not faced them yet, I'm going to most likely, and there's going to be battles I'm going to face. And from the outside, you're not going to know because it's not my normal task or my job to let you know I'm being hurt. Or somebody said or did something to me that started to wound me, and now I'm beginning to find that prejudice work its way into my spirit. But I want you to be faithful to me. I want you to love me and say, Pastor, I know you shouldn't be going through that, but at the same time, Pastor, you've got to do everything you can in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit to fight off every ounce of that bitterness so you can do this ministry well without falling short of the glory of God. I'm telling you like I'm I'm preaching it to you, but I want you to speak it back to me because I know those days are coming and I know I've faced some of them already and I'm so grateful to have the brother in the right place, the sister that's in the prayer closet. I am so grateful to have a church that loves their pastor like their pastor loves them, and we're going to love each other more in the days to come. And we're not going to be satisfied by the devil. We're not even going to be halfway satisfied by living partial Christian lives. Nominal Christianity doesn't make its way into this sanctuary. Man, I love what the Lord's doing here. A word of light, a light of truth. I want to just say a few things in light of what I've just shared with you. In the light of just these few verses, I want you to hear this. Do not mix resentment or unforgiveness with your devotion to God. Don't leave it there. 
when you love Jesus and you pour out your heart to Him and your prayer life and however close you are, just don't tolerate these two things, these three things in your life. Resentment, unforgiveness, bitterness. Find a way out of it. Find somebody that will be faithful to you and keep you from going there. Do not wait for God to convict you if your heart is hard. I see people doing this. I hear people say, oh, I, I'm not worried about it. The Lord would convict me. If I think the problem is, is when we get in a state of a hardness of heart, we don't recognize when we're asleep. We don't even feel it anymore. These guys came down into the ship and had to wake him up. The whole world around us is awake, and yet we're not. And so I think this is, take it for granted that there's probably soft spots in your heart that you've become hardened to. So then the next thing is, bring them before God. Write them down and bring them before God. Take some time before the Lord and say, God, search me, try me. See if there's any wicked way in me. Help me, Lord, in places that I'm not seeing. I know that you see it, and I don't want even a little bit of resentment to have its way into my life. I may be forgotten somebody. It may be 15 years ago, and I just let it go, and I don't feel it tying me down, but it's actually weighing you down, and you just don't know it. So in this moment, just don't think that there might not be something there. So, Lord, here I am. I'm here. I want you to show me things, and I'm going to bring this up to you more than this one time. And if the Holy Spirit has something, bring them back to my mind, and you'll be amazed at how faithful God is when we start becoming open vessels. I love that prayer. Search me, God, try me, and see if there's any wicked way in me. It's kind of like you saying, I'm going to clean this whole house. This whole temple inside of me is going to be as pure as pure can be. But what I won't tolerate is great purity and a little bit of dust. I love my wife because she is amazing at cleaning. And in what I tolerate, she won't. I need a little bit of her spirit inside of me when I'm cleaning up my soul before God. And why else would the apostle tell the brothers and sisters and Christians as they're getting ready to take communion, examine yourself and let God bring you back under his light. And it's so freeing for the Holy Spirit to put his finger on something and then animate it. And then you get broken and then you get restored. And then you have new freedom. And then you have the power of God inside of that. And then when we go a little bit further, sometimes whoever that person is, and you need to do this at the right time, and you need this when your heart is in the right place, but you need to do it nevertheless, as the Holy Spirit is going to bring it back up, and you're going to feel it. That person keeps coming to mind, and there's a reason. It's because you need to go make, make right with them somehow. Restore that relationship if possible, or at least bring up what has been in your heart as the Lord reveals it. Never let that bitterness just stand. Be sure that your conscience is clear in this matter. And then when you're done, worship God and give Him praise. Thank Him for cleaning you up and purifying your heart. Lord, thank You for what You've done to purify my life. And for out of His mercy. So when we read the rest of Jonah, one thing that's interesting is, He's basically, God deals with him. And then it leaves us not knowing. Did Jonah change his heart about the people? This, this story just kind of stops, and you're like, I want to know the rest of this story. And I think one time, sometimes God leaves things open-ended because he wants you to know this is open-ended for you. You can walk the path of bitterness, and you can lose progress. 
or you can be right now restored in the name of Jesus. So do you want to see what the end looks like? I want to read this quote by Tim Keller as I'm just coming, just this and one verse, and then I'll close. I hope this has satisfied your souls this morning. Tim Keller says this, And when anything in life is an absolute requirement for your happiness and self-worth, it is essentially an idol, something you are actually worshiping. When such a thing is threatened, your anger is absolute. Your anger is actually the way the idol keeps you in its service and its chains. Therefore, if you find that despite all your efforts to forgive, your anger and bitterness cannot subside, you may need to look deeper and ask, what am I defending? What is so important that I cannot live without it? It may be that until some inordinate desire is identified and confronted, you will not be able to master your anger. I think that's a pretty powerful way of bringing this out. I could have probably, I know, I could have done you guys some justice. We could have ended the service a lot sooner, and I could have just read the quote and, and the verses, and we would have been good. But I decided that the Holy Spirit wanted me to say a few things. So I decided to give that to you also. Psalm 34, 17 through 18 says this, The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears, and delivers them out of all their troubles. Man, that's a great verse. The Lord is near those who have a broken heart and save such as have a contrite spirit. And I just got a revelation as I was reading that. I want to share it with you. Of a broken heart. Some of us have a broken heart because of the pain of your past. But this broken heart is when Jesus is healing the pain of the past and renewing you in your spirit. And it's a new contrite heart. It's one renewed by God as he heals you and develops his love inside of you. You know, I know a lot of times it's almost like somebody read the Bible and said, you know what, here's what the Bible says, now forgive. Isn't that awful? It's awful and yet it's true. And yet it's not true at the same. We cannot be motorized, mechanicized, made like robots as if it would just switch on and switch off. We need a spiritual revitalization inside of us. And what I think I love is I started taking more time in Jonah, and I want to encourage you guys, read more in Jonah. And by next week, you're going to probably have a few things to share with me also. But as you read this story, God has an amazing way of getting a hold of Jonah. I'm like, I'm seeing the mercy of God written all over these pages. Wow, what severity and yet what mercy to restore this man, to bring him to what forgiveness is really all about and to restore a city of people. If we want to pray for Willowa County, we got to pray with forgiveness in our hearts. we got to pray as to be restored from all bitterness. If we want to see our church flourish, either in, numer in numbers and in depth, we've got to be the kind of people who say fully and faithfully we're committed to Jesus. We've got to just commit to him. So just one more time, the Lord hears those who have a contrite heart. I want to give you an opportunity this morning to just soften your heart before Jesus and let Jesus soften you.
I want to pray this morning. I want to pray with all of our heart. I want to pray together with my church. I want to pray because I want Jesus to do this deeper work inside of me. And I want to be a part of it with you. So I want to give just an opportunity this morning, whether we come to the altar or if you stay where you are, will you pray with me together? While we're singing and worshiping together, will you pray in one spirit with me? God, sovereign God, have your deepest work inside of me and make these moments and break me of every device the devil would like to keep me bound in. And do this for my church. Do this for all of us together. Will you pray together with me for that this morning? Well, can we end the tyranny of darkness right now in the name of Jesus? Do we have to wait another day or for the ship to shake a little bit longer? Do we have to be swallowed up by the big fish? Or can we have Jesus already fully died, fully resurrected, right now animating his life in our hearts? I believe right now for our church, God wants to restore us in the unity of completely washing us of resentment in our spirit and continue to do so as we walk out these doors. Let's pray together. I want to invite the worship team to come up. And then I want to pray. And as we sing, as we sing, let God illuminate these things in your spirit. And as they're singing, I want them, to, Lord, illuminate in them. Let me pray over you right now. You can come up at any moment. You feel led to come to the altar. Please do. Just abandon to Jesus. Surrender to him in this moment. He's sweetly ready just to make this a new moment for us. Father, thank you for the Holy Spirit right now. The Holy Spirit that anoints us, that same anointing that Jesus, you said, was upon you to break the yokes of bondage, to undo heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free. At this church, Lord, because you've authorized, because you deemed it, because it is your will, Every one of us right now are being called into that freedom this minute. And God, I pray with my brothers and sisters, would you release us from the tyranny of darkness that even the least bit of bitterness can be washed from us this morning and cleanse us and make us whole, Father, for our brothers and sisters, for the kingdom of God and for the name of Jesus. Don't let us walk out of this place tolerating an ounce of this darkness in us. We are ready. Jesus, we're ready for you to renew us. We're ready for you to make us more whole and more pure right now because of the work of the Holy Spirit. We love you for it. We sing in praise to the everlasting God. Help us today in Jesus' name. Come forward if the Lord's calling you to do so. Come forward. Amen.